0: Does running impact female hormones? Is stretching before and after a walk or run necessary? How much walking should I add to my day? All of that and more on this episode of The Healthiest You. Are you a walker, a runner, or neither? I should probably say that I'm one or the other, but I'll be honest, I'm not. I walk from the studio to the coffee machine, but today we're talking about running, walking and how they impact your health, not just your physical health, but also your mental health. We're focusing on women's health and wellness on the Healthiest You Podcast. Whether you're on your way to work or enjoying a cup of coffee, take this time to focus on your health. Here to talk about walking versus running and how they affect your mind and body are physical therapists, Ashley Rice and Neil Shapiro with Lehigh Valley Health Network. Ashley, Neil, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Thanks for having us. <laughs> <laughs> I know movement is essential and it's essential for healthy living, but walking or running, is it better for a woman's
2: health? Yeah. So first ahead, and Ash. foremost, before you do any form of exercise, it's always important to get a health checkup and get cleared with, but with your physician. Okay. Um, the decision to run or walk will vary based on person to person. And, you know, it's- not generally not recommended to just get up and start walking. You always want to kind of condition yourself um, prior to starting any sort of exercise routine. So okay. um, normally we would recommend a walking program first. And then as you start to notice that your strength and your endurance are improving, then you can kind of work into running. Okay. So um, I
0: shouldn't just decide like right here and now I'm going
2: to start, I'm going to go for a run No probably not a good okay. idea. Okay, all right. That's that just good. predisposes you a little bit more for injuries.
0: <laughs> and I'm injury prone as is, so let's move on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Choose to run, but smartly.
2: Oh, smartly. That's a great way to present it, Neil. Thank you. Yeah, yeah so any anyone that has um, a couple more, what we call comorbidities, you know, people that tend to have any sort of joint issues, arthritis, um, people that are in a higher classification of BMI or your body mass index, um, it's generally recommended to start slow and work your way up.
0: That makes the most sense. And being in that classification of a higher BMI, I wouldn't start right away. Oh, you look great. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's so enough bad. out of you, Neil. <laughs> now, stretching before and after. After we've been cleared, we've talked to our, our primary care physician. Stretching necessary before, after a walk, and or a run?
2: It is vitally important for both, before and after. Um, before, we recommend doing what's called a dynamic warm-up, whereas you're, you're stretching your muscles with controlled motion. So a lot of... Um, Three to five basic drills. A lot of people know butt kickers, which is literally you're kicking yourself in the rear end. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, easiest. the visual that went with <laughs> <Yeah>. that. That's <laughs> fantastic. Easiest way to explain it. Uh, okay. <laughs> Some <laughs> and, of the other stretching yeah, exercises. And, uh, and uh, high knees where you're lifting your knees up towards your chest. Okay. Um, and you're quickly alternating side to side. Okay. Um, these just allow the the muscles to get primed and get ready for the, the exercise that you're gonna end up doing, as Thanks. well as providing the muscles with a quick stretch. Um, But on the flip side, also doing a proper cool down is also generally recommended. And that can just be, you know, five minutes or so of just Leisurely walking followed by some stretching of the major muscle groups in your legs. Okay. Just to help improve flexibility, decrease some of that post-exercise soreness that most people tend to experience. Okay. When you said cool down, I thought just standing over the air conditioner vent to cool down as as I had overheated. Well, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes that helps with bringing, you know,
0: the body temperature back Oh, so down. we can incorporate that into our cool <laughs> yeah. down. I love it. My husband's going to love hearing that. There you go. How does regularly walking or running uh, for exercise affect... The female body specifically, can it reduce risks for certain cancers, add years to our lives because I think that's what everyone's chasing is, can I add years to my life?
1: Yeah, and I mean so what we know about cardio activity is that it can be really beneficial for your health across all aspects, right? And so not just for women, men too, that by exercising you can reduce your dependency for glucose if you're a type 2 diabetic, it can reduce your blood pressure if you take blood pressure medication, help you with weight loss and other things but you also you know, want to think about those comorbidities that Ashley was talking about. Talking about cancer, there is some research out there showing that cardioactivity can reduce your risk for developing certain types of cancer, including breast cancer, which you know is unfortunately a little prolific in, in women these days. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, I have some personal experience with that. So I used to work out in Chicago area. I worked with a group called Recovery on Water. So it was a lot of women that were post-diagnoses. Um, and there was a woman that I had met who was training with this rowing team. She also ran and biked, um, but she had gotten kind of a, a bad life expectancy. Mm-hmm. and she was 15 years out from it. And so she put it all on healthy eating and exercise. So I would say not talking about just running, just general exercise and activity.
0: Including that into a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah, no
1: problem. Um, I love it. So I try sharing as much as I can. That's a great, it is a
0: great story. And I think more and more people need to hear that, that it's not, a diagnosis is not a death sentence. Correct. That there's so many things that we can incorporate into our lifestyles that can, like you said, increase longevity. Now, since running is more strenuous on the body, how would it impact female hormones?
2: So our hormones are regulated by our organs and then by specialty centers in our brain, and they're normally response. Um, I'm sorry, released in response to uh, stresses on our body. So some of the more well-known hormones are your endorphins, those endorphin release. So um, after running for a period of time, some people experience what's called the runner's high, uh, where you have a state of feeling very relaxed and calm as you're exercising. Um, And that's just due to an endorphin release
0: makes a lot of sense. I, I think I need to start running because i've never felt that <laughs>
2: <laughs> i've only felt it once or twice okay um, Adrenaline is another common hormone um, that's released and also res- in response to exercise so when you know somebody's striving to reach a PR or get to that finish line you know that that burst of energy at the end of your workout or your run when you're feeling really gassed is, is due to adrenaline just to get you over that line. Okay. Um, the other hormone that most people have heard of is cortisol. So that's our stress hormone. Cortisol, um, too much of it in our system can actually be negative. Um, so if you're overtraining, um, having built up levels of cortisol in your system can actually kind of um, put you into what's called a fight or flight response. So for, for women in particular, this can end up... Um, having an impact on your menstruation, um, on your reproductive system, because your body is diverting energy that is being sent to those body systems to the systems that they need for survival. It's just your body's natural protection mechanism. That makes a lot of sense. So women that um, are overtraining or overexercising, it can actually sometimes affect those body systems. Um, And that's actually one component of what's called the female athlete triad. Uh, three components, one being menstrual health. Um, so in women that are overtraining or overexercising, they start to see changes in their menses. Okay. Um, another component is that is decreased bone mineral density. And that kind of goes along with um, your menstrual cycle dysfunction. Um, and the third is just um, poor energy availability. And we screen for those with our athletes because they're vitally important. And a lot of times they take uh, what's called a multidisciplinary approach to treating fully. Mm-hmm. So um, that's part of our screening process um, with any female athlete. Uh, so that way we can get them the treatment that they need if they start to show any, any signs of that triad. Okay. Yeah. If, and it, if I was an athlete,
0: I'd be going, Ashley, you're a man. Not to, not to disagree. <laughs> oh, no <laughs> no, no yeah, offense, yeah. you Neil. Know, but if I, if I was to be an athlete, <laughs> yeah. Ashley, I think Ashley and I would be great friends. Neil, yeah. did you have something to add?
1: Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, I feel like when I treat my female runners, it's so common, especially female athletes at a high level. They have such an expectation that weird menstrual cycles are normal, right? Oh, everyone has it, so this is normal But just because everyone
0: has it doesn't make it normal or healthy. Yeah, and so I've
1: been trying to educate more and more like, hey, just because you don't have it or it's irregular or it started really late and everyone else you know does that, that's not a normal thing for you and it can have these big kind of issues down the line. That's great.
2: Wow. (sighs) Yeah, so balancing the hormones um, while running helps with balancing. On the flip side, doing too much of it can actually be a negative thing. So you moral of the story is, is balance is key. So finding out where we are in our balance to help regulate our body systems is. That healthy medium. Yeah. yeah, that
0: healthy medium is really, sometimes really important. Sometimes that can be a
2: little. Hard to find, so sometimes you also need some help from other providers to be able to get you to that point. I think balance in any aspect of our lives is difficult
0: to achieve, and we're always trying to find that balance. Uh, for example, how much water I should and should not be drinking because now I need to pee again.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
0: not only is it in the script, but I do have to pee,
2: <laughs> and
0: and it's a pretty regular thing. And yes, I'll admit to it that I do drink a lot of water, and then I have to go to the bathroom. That is probably a thing that a lot of runners have to consider. Uh, I always wonder during a marathon or any in that situation, how do you handle that? Do we strengthen the pelvic floor? Is there something we should be doing?
1: Mm-hmm. well so for your marathon question there's always bathrooms along the way so it's good to go to the bathroom and not <laughs> hold it right you sound the, like should go yeah. when we see the bathroom <laughs> yeah. okay
0: um
1: but but yeah in general so like urinary incontinence is a very common thing with women especially um usually postpartum so things just get a little bit weaker um but pelvic health isn't something that's just women only right any runner any athlete so what do you mean
0: you're Men have a pelvic floor. Men
1: have a pelvic floor. Yeah. Whoa.
0: Color me. My exactly. Yeah. My Yeah, phone.
1: so, you know, I would say if you do have any issues with pelvic health, I'm going to put a little plug in, right? PTs can help manage that, right? There is some pelvic health PT in the network. I'm another provider, something you can talk to your doc about. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I was reading an article, something like up to 40% of women have some level of incontinence. Oh, yeah. And like 7 to 10% can have severe incontinence, which... I don't treat that. I had no idea. So like, You're ooh, like, that's not, wow. that's not my yeah. area of expertise. Yeah, okay. yeah, I try to treat everything outside the body. Anything more internally, I kind of leave to the experts. I, um, I would tend to agree with that. Yeah. I, I really would.
0: And and I, I can understand a lot of the, uh, the, the fight or flight. <laughs> Are we going to beat the buzzer kind of thing? So that's yeah. obviously something that you want to talk about with your physical therapist or with any other of your physicians. Yeah. Now, how does running improve? Bone health, I know that was a very drastic change, but (laughs) continuing on
2: with running or walking, because that's what this podcast is about, how does it help and impact our bone health? So there's something called Wolf's Law. Um, It's the idea that your naturally healthy bone will adapt and change over time to the stresses that are put through it. So naturally with running and walking, your your weight-bearing bones and the legs and the pelvis and the spine are naturally gonna be stronger than those same bones in someone who is not as active. Conversely, though, too much running and part of that female athlete triad that we just spoke about, you know, that can have negative impacts on your bone health. So, again, balance is key. Balance is um, key. So, you know, cross training is important um, and generally often recommended as a form of exercise and adjunct to what you're already doing. Um, you know, muscles connect to bone through tendons. So when muscle contracts and the tendon pulls on the bone, that stimulates bone growth and, and bone rejuvenation. Um, you guys are so smart. It's so different than radio. We don't know any yeah. of this stuff. Please continue. I'm sorry for interrupting. No, you're good. Um, so, but, and, you know, again, touching on that um, female athlete triad, you know, what we screen for in the clinic is any female athlete that has any sort of signs of bone stress injuries or repetitive um, bony stress injuries or stress fractures. Those are kind of the first clinical signs that we'll see of somebody who's we need to get this addressed.
0: Now we touched upon uh, bone health and it, it makes me think, whether your bone health is strong or not strong, who should avoid running?
1: You know, so that's a tough question for me. I'm very much, I don't know if you've ever read the book, Born to Run, Chris McDougall, or there's a guy, Dan Lieberman. He's a researcher out of Harvard.
0: If you ever see me running, Neil, you should probably (laughs) run too because that means that something's chasing me. Yeah. Please continue. (laughs) So,
1: you know, they're big things. Dan Lieberman, it's the, we kind of evolved to be nomads and rock and run. So I think for the most part, all of us have the potential to do it. It's just, is it appropriate for you? And so for the most part, I tell people, if you're gonna pick up a running routine or really anything, it's always good to talk to your doc about it, right? We kind of talked comorbidities earlier. So if there's anything like that going on, you just wanna make sure that it's safe. Um, And right, there are certain things that are like really hard stops, right? So if you have like, unstable chest pain, really significant cardiac issues, other things kind of going on with like uncontrolled things in your body, right? Okay. Good to avoid it. So again, good to talk to your doc. And then this kind of these relative contraindications, you know, recent surgeries, recent fractures, you know, other things going on.
0: Some common sense.
1: Yeah. And so if you go on like Mayo Clinic or Cincinnati um, Children's or something, they have these nice lists of, if you have this, you shouldn't do this. If you have that, maybe think about it. It's like a
0: ride at Dorney Park. If you have this, you should not take this ride. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Makes Uh, a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: And so there are those with running, but again, for the most part, if you don't, I think everyone has the potential to as long as you progress to it appropriately.
0: That makes, again, makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, what about power walking? Is Is that different- Obviously, it's different than running because
2: it's not called running. It's called power walking. Uh, Why might this be a a better option? So walking is a great form of exercise, as is running. Um, Walking is much more less impact than running. So running is around, they say in the literature, about three to five times your body weight per step. When you're running. Walking is obviously not so much. I think my knees would break. I'm sorry. Please continue. (laughs) Um, So power walking is defined as as walking at the upper end of your usual casual pace. Okay. So if we put this to the scale of a treadmill, the treadmill normal walking pace is around a 3.0. Okay. Power walking is more around a 4 to a 5.5. Oh. Um, And... You know, it still increases your heart rate. It still allows you to burn calories, but at a much less of an impact. So some some people that Neil just touched on that fit within those categories, power walking may be a great alternative just due to the low impact nature of it. Uh,
0: walking, running, how does it improve physical? But, and, and as I mentioned earlier, mental health. I see memes all the time that says, oh, I'm out here taking my stupid mental health walk. But I do the same thing because the the exposure to the sun and the air and just getting out, it really does help with mental health. How does, how does that affect more deeper? You guys, you guys are more deep than a, than a meme,
2: <laughs> a little more educated. Yeah. So walking and, and any form of exercise in general, um, is great for both physical and mental health. So back to those endorphins, those endorphins, those feel good hormones. We love
0: so, those endorphins. And that
2: helps improve your mood. Um, you know, it can help decrease stress. It can help, you know, lessen the effects I should say of, of depression and, and anxiety um, there's one study out there that even shows that it helps with learning and helps with memory um, so it's can improve your cardiovascular health, your whole body health, um, and and as well as your mental health in terms of just boosting your mood and making you feel better.
0: And I can attest to that as someone that does deal with uh, anxiety and depression. When I do convince myself to go take that stupid mental health walk, I feel considerably better Mm
2: -hmm. when Mm -hmm. I come
0: back inside. So again, it makes a lot of sense. Now, what footwear should we be wearing? My flip-flops? I have a feeling you're (laughs) going to say I should not be wearing my flip-flops or my Uggs or anything like
1: that. Yeah, so it really depends on the activity that you're doing, right? Like if you're walking on the beach, flip-flops hiring aren't a bad thing for you. What about
0: barefoot? If you're uh, on the beach, wouldn't you be barefoot?
1: Yeah, that's true. If the sand's really hot though, I don't want to burn your feet. Good you know. point, thinking <laughs> ahead, Neil. Yeah.
0: Okay, so flip-flops Always on the beach. Thinker. You are a thinker, yeah. <laughs> okay. Otherwise, yeah. what would you recommend?
1: So otherwise, right, so here's kind of like the dirty secret in the running world is that since the advent of the running shoe back in the 70s to now, there's really been no change in kind of running related musculoskeletal injury, right? And so you would think you got all these awesome shoes out there, right? Right? And there's been no general reduction in the amount of injuries that you're seeing. Now, the big thing could be like that first Boston Marathon was like less than 100 people. Boston Marathon now is 30, 35,000 people, right? So there's just a lot more people running. Oh yeah. So it could be because of that, you're seeing this higher volume of injury. Um, but kind of going back to the shoe wear, I think it's the people get stuck in their head that the shoe kind of makes you, right? I'm going to get this shoe and it's going to fix everything. Wait a minute.
0: You're telling me that my new sneakers aren't going to make me run faster? Uh, uh,
1: (laughs) Well, that's actually not true, right? So there's some research coming out now with like the Nike Infinity runs, the ones that Elliot Kipchoge did the sub two hour. Uh, Those actually will make you faster. Um, And they're getting banned in a lot of races that super hyper shoe.
0: Um, Almost but, like an, a, an unfair advantage. Yeah. That mm-hmm. if someone is wearing those shoes versus a different pair. Oh,
1: yep. yeah.
0: See, I was just referring to my my son. He has new shoes, and they're going to make him run faster.
1: Yeah, yeah. And everyone thinks that, and unfortunately, that's <laughs> generally not the case, right? Neil. So what I tell my I'm going to have to have you call my son, <laughs> and
0: you can go ahead and tell him that. Fair enough. Okay.
1: Um, but yeah, what I tell my patients is is usually the best shoe is the best shoe for you. So you go in, you wanna find a shoe that works well for you. There's not kind of one size that fits all. Okay. That's why I love the local running stores. You can go in, they, a lot of places will check you out, try try things on you, do analyses, fit you for orthotics, right? And get something that works well for your foot. Um, there are big trends in shoes, right? There was the minimalist and the five fingers movement. There's the maximalist kind of hocus shoe. And now we're seeing that hyper shoe, right? With the carbon foot plates and all sorts of crazy technology. People with way more knowledge than me put stuff into these shoes. Um,
2: footwear technology is ever evolving. There's, there's new things coming out every so many years and, and sometimes it's hard to keep track of. So a lot of times we say, we refer them to the experts, the, the people at the sports shops, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's, that's what they do that's all day. That's what they do all day. But that's mind blowing to me. And I think mm-hmm. it's because I'm coming
0: at shoes from a much different perspective oh, yeah. versus I'm looking for what's on sale and what's going to look great with my leggings, right. not what's going to be. The best. F- I mean, it should it should be what's good for my foot, though.
1: Yeah, so are most runners, right? No one wants to buy that hundred fifty dollars shoe if they don't have to, but right. sometimes that's better than buying the twenty dollar clearance rack shoe that maybe isn't the best fit for You're you. You're
0: right, Neil. Yeah, or
1: it it looks great with my outfit, but maybe it's not the most comfortable. You're
0: right, Neil. <laughs> so our shoes, we should really make them more of an investment.
1: Yeah, and replacing them consistently, consistently oh. and using the appropriate shoe for the appropriate activity, right? So a trail shoe on the trail, a road shoe on the road, right? And vice versa.
0: So you're telling me that I should be going out and buying more shoes for specific situations.
1: Yeah. Ah, yeah, I, I, I don't can't. think that's what you were saying, <laughs> but
0: I'm using any excuse that I can to go yeah. shopping.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and like the one thing I tend to push people away from too is like when you go to the expo, don't buy a new pair of shoes and go run in those shoes the next day, right? There's a kind of a breaking a in A breaking period. in,
0: you have to wear them around the house. We know that with any other type of shoe, you got to break it in. Yeah, and
1: gradually building your running into it or your walking. And, okay. Uh, so.
0: Now, there's a word here, and I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think I know what it means. Measuring your stride length.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Is that basically your leg, the stride that you take? So, my husband takes shorter strides and I take longer strides, but he still ends up walking
2: faster than I do. Mm-hmm. How do we measure that stride length? So, your stride length is from when your heel or I'm sorry, when you're pushing off of one foot to when the next foot hits in front. You know I'm trying to do it underneath Mm -hmm. the table. Okay, all right, okay. If you can see that in your head. Um, (laughs) I do like a finger walk. I'm having a real, show me the finger walk. That makes sense. Okay, I'm a visual learner. So um, your stride is always going to vary based on the terrain and where you're running. So going uphill or negotiating an incline, you're going to have a much shorter of a stride versus on a flat road, it's going to be more neutral. Going downhill is gonna be much longer. Okay. So a more accurate measure would actually be called your cadence. And your cadence is your steps per minute. Um, there's no you know, ironclad number in terms of what you wanna achieve when you're running, but generally around the, um, the, the range of 170 to 180 steps per minute. So that's 85 to 90 steps per foot. Um, is generally recommended because that's what's been found in the literature to promote the best mechanics.
0: That was going to be my next question. Why is it mm-hmm. important to know these numbers?
2: Mm-hmm. And this goes back to um, and, and Neil is a, a wizard with this one. This goes back just to, to all the work that one of his um, the one of the guys that he follows um, of going out there and actually counting steps of runners just to to start to get an idea of where we where we want to aim. That's a um, job.
1: Yeah. So the way it started was there was like this really famous coach back in like the 70s or his name was Jack Daniels, not affiliated with me Oh, oh, not oh the unfortunately. I had
0: my hopes yeah. up for a second. Okay,
1: yeah. please. Um, but yeah, he went on, he counted cadence for all these elite level runners and it might have been like the Prefontaine classic or something. Um, and he found that most of them were around hundred steps per minute, right? And that's usually for like your mid distance runners, your sprinters are going to be a little higher, closer to 200, anything kind of below that's a little subpar. Um, and so kind of like Ashley was saying, there's no magic number, but usually if someone's low, I'll bump them up. If someone's high, I try to pull them back. Pull them back bit.
0: for that, that balance <laughs> that Ashley keeps talking about. Yeah. I'm, it,
2: it it's all, all making sense.
0: It. We're making connections. I get it. So uh, ankles, uh, a lot of times I, I do have a sore ankle um, or wrist weights and things like that. Is Would it be good to actually incorporate those into your walks or your runs to, to put weight, weight weights on?
1: Um. So maybe, maybe not, right? Okay. So like you're adding something to the end of your legs that you typically you wouldn't use. You're putting a little more stress on joints. So think of someone that has like some shoulder pain or hip pain or, you know, knee away or ankle issues, adding that little extra load on that lever probably isn't the best thing for you. Um, Now, if you're going for a walk, carrying your hand weights right now, the worst thing in the world give you a little extra cardio exertion. All right. Maybe doing things, if you do want to add resistance, changing up the terrain, going out and walking on a trail, going up and walking down a hill. Those things are going to get you working a little harder without you having to add anything to it, and it's going to save you some money. Maybe you just have to spend a little more on gas to get there.
0: And maybe even mental health, too, a change of scenery, Mm -hmm. checking out something different and just incorporating all of the things that you've recommended. Now, I know that there are also weight vests. if if people aren't doing the the ankles or the wrists? Mm -hmm. What is a weight vest?
2: So those are very um, popular with our tactical and our CrossFit athletes. All right. Um, So it's a mean of adding weight to your program but you wear it on your body um, and a lot closer to your midline. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's great for increasing your workout intensity so someone who's doing more explosive type motions or movements and workouts, you know, it's going to be great for them. Um, but at the same time, it can also be a little bit more negative in that you don't use it correctly. You're going to hurt yourself. You do too much weight. You potentially are going to create some imbalances, um, postural imbalances, muscle imbalances, which are going to predispose you uh, to injury.
0: Again, back to the, the, balance, the balance, finding that balance. Are there um, more calories that you would you would burn more calories if you were
2: wearing a vest you like would, that? The, the more intense your exercise will be, then the more calories you'll Burn so if if you're looking for the the weight loss aspect of it you know it would be good but we generally recommend starting at a lower weight and then progressively building up from there. That makes sense. I keep saying that makes
0: sense, but it does it. That's just the first thing that comes to mind. Now, how can I how can I avoid a treadmill
1: accident?
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I I shouldn't laugh and it, and it's not comical because they do happen. But I myself have had a, a treadmill accident, mm-hmm. and it's simply just uh, my own. Flakiness, but mm-hmm. how could someone uh, avoid that?
2: So when COVID hit, um, a lot of the gyms and fitness centers closed, so treadmill sales went and skyrocketed. Oh, I'm sure they did. Um, so that year alone, there were 22,000 <sighs> treadmill accidents that reported to the ER. Those are just the ones that were reported. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow.
2: Okay. So something as simple as walking on the treadmill or running on the treadmill, you wouldn't really necessarily equate to, to being a high risk injury kind of activity but a lot of it comes down to not utilizing the safety checks on the equipment so to avoid injury to avoid damage to your equipment it's also important to use their safety features so using their safety strap so that way if it disconnects that belt stops that's what Um, i do
0: it i clip it somewhere whenever i'm doing it yes wearing
2: it on your wrist clipping it to clothing yeah um, so that if something were to happen or you had to step off and that disengages, then, the, then it, it, stops. it stops. Right, making sure that children, pets, anything that can get pulled under the belt are out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these injuries, unfortunately, are happening with children because they're they're seeing something move, they're going to explore, and then they're putting toys on it, right. like my children mm-hmm. would do. Mm-hmm. Yes, I understand. So minimizing distractions is also important. You know, get off of your cell phone. Don't try and read um, while you're walking on the treadmill. I mean, that always made me sick. But um, (laughs) I always liked watching. uh, My husband installed a a television,
0: Mm -hmm. and we could watch Netflix. And I'd set it for a a 30 minute show, and that would be The Walking Dead. Right now, I I did that as well.
2: I would uh, I would watch that as well. Yeah. So we would recommend starting that prior to starting walking on your treadmill. (laughs) Starting the show and then getting on the treadmill. Um, Okay. And then even when it comes to... Comes to the moving belt, you want to make sure that you know you're not straddling the machine. Start the belt up, and then jump onto it. That doesn't sound safe. Mm-hmm. No, but you see it a lot
1: the in time. the
2: gyms. You see it. A, I see it oftentimes in our clinic. Uh, mm-hmm. So you always want to start on the belt itself, and then gradually ramp up that speed, you know, be careful with that speed because that speed can get away from you at times. Oh, it can. So each treadmill is a little bit different in how it responds to speed. So you, you know, you hit that speed up button several, several times getting slow up. Slow down, like, sister. Right. Slow it down a little bit, yeah. work yourself into it just so that you don't lose your footing. No one's, no one's
0: recording you. It's not a competition. Just take your time. Now, what is the 12 treadmill workout? Thing.
1: Yeah, so that was a viral thing, apparently. Yeah, that's why I'm bringing and, it up, because yeah. it was viral. So That's funny. I'm in my mid-30s, but I'm an old man. I didn't really hear about it until more recently. I don't want to
0: hear uh, <laughs> anything about that. <laughs> Moving forward. <laughs>
1: uh, but, so, yeah, so basically what it is, is you're setting the incline on your treadmill to 12%. You're setting the speed to three miles an hour, and you're walking for 30 minutes. That
0: sounds like torture.
1: Yeah, and, you know... It, obviously this super fit Instagram YouTuber, whomever made the video posted and everyone's like, oh man, that looks great. You oh, look it good. And it
0: yeah. sounds terrible.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, it's something that if you're already fit and you're doing stuff, not a bad thing to kind of throw into your routine. But not like for a beginner. Definitely not. Right. Okay. And so any of these trendy things, you don't want to jump on if you're not used to doing the workouts a great way to get hurt. Good for our revenue, not great for just <laughs> general health. Business. Right. So well, that's maybe I, I should say that. I <laughs> was going to say, it. maybe yeah. you
0: should or you shouldn't. It's a, it's a fine <laughs> Timeline that we're walking with that one. Um, <laughs> what are some well, of the precautions that we should keep in mind if we are not going to use the treadmill, but we're going to decide to run or walk outside?
1: Yeah. and Dog so, poop. Uh, definitely dog poop. Yeah. Right? That's a big one. Yeah. But I, I kind of, I'm thinking more of that like safety component, right? Oh,
0: so, you know. I was thinking about my new walking shoes and I didn't want to get them dirty.
1: You just spent all that money on I them. I did. So, exactly.
0: Yeah. Neil, please. Continue. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, so, you know, one of the things everyone loves to run with headphones in, right? So, I'm going to give Aftershocks a plug right now. They're those bone conduction headphones. So
2: Bone conduction headphones. Yeah, so
1: they don't go in your ear. They don't go in the
2: ear. They stay, like, right on top of what's called your... uh your zygomatic heart. Mm-hmm. That's PT talk. You are using <laughs> big words, Ashley. I'm in radio. You got to dump it down a little bit. So it goes literally just right outside your ear. Oh, the thingy that hooks around. So, okay. so it doesn't
1: actually go in. It just sits right on top, right? And it vibrates the bone on the outside. And they're pretty amazing. You can barely hear anything from the outside. Mm-hmm. But when you're listening, perfect sound quality, you've got awesome ability to hear everything around you. So if you're going to use headphones, and I use them myself, I would recommend something like that or one earphone in earphone your out, out right? so this way that you
0: can, you can hear what's happening around you yeah
1: and i'd also okay. say like when i go running my wife loves this i have my google Maps set up so my location is always shared right so if i'm going for a run i let her know how long i'm going for and then if you're you know if i'm not back by a certain time hey where are where you are
0: you do you, yeah. I, do you do you ever try to draw funny shapes on the maps oh with sometimes your runs? i used to do
1: strava <laughs> art yeah
0: um, <laughs> those are yeah. always comical those would yeah. go viral oh, I definitely always.
1: <laughs> but uh But yeah, you know, and it's also thinking about where you're running, right? So if you're going in a really um, busy area with cars, making sure that you're paying attention to traffic. If you're going out in the middle of nowhere, making sure that someone knows where you are. Yes, your location services should be on. Oh, you got it. Okay, all right. Even run with a friend.
0: A buddy, a running buddy. I I, I did that for a while. Misery loves company. (laughs) think that's the best way to position it, Neil, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, exercising while you work. They said it sounds good to me. I'm not quite sure that that's a, a correct statement, but w- <laughs> while you work, uh, walking pads, desk, oh, walking pads, desk, treadmills. So while I'm sitting at the microphone, I could be doing something. Mm -hmm. Please tell me
1: more. So that's gotten really trendy recently, Mm -hmm. those big walking pads. So the treadmills of 2020, the walking pads of 2023. All right. Everywhere and everyone's getting one or a walking desk or something. Um, And yeah, so, you know, Time Magazine like 10, 12 years ago put this article that said, sitting is the new smoking. Right, and so it's dangerous. Yeah, and you know, you find all these things where if you sit too much, it can increase things like visceral fat, your general circumference around your belly, right, and those kinds of things have been linked to reduced life expectancy. So, from that end of things, I would say if you can get up and get moving, great. I would. I say, th- I
0: say we, we're finished right now and let's go get moving. Yeah. <laughs> Why <laughs> don't we take this walk? on the road? <laughs> let's go take a yeah. walk. Okay. I'm sorry.
1: That's all right. Um, but yeah. So what I. What I'd say is if you can, it's always good to take a break and just get out of the building, right? But if you have to, you got a lot of meetings and things, pop on the walking pad and go for a walk. Just think about other things going on, right? So,
0: How does a walking pad work?
1: um, Some of them are just treadmills that kind of go under your desk. Some of them are treadmills that have a desk attached to it, which are pretty fancy.
0: Oh, wow, that is Um, fancy.
1: Yeah, and they're getting less and less expensive, which is kind of cool. All Um, right. But, you know, you you want to think about other things that are going on with you. So if you have a history of like concussions or vestibular issues or balance issues, right, I wouldn't recommend jumping on this and falling off and having one of those treadmill accidents we were just talking about.
0: I happen to have fall risk written at the top of, of my, so that wouldn't necessarily yeah. be for me. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> That's okay. What,
2: those under desk, you know, walking pads and treadmills, they don't come with the handrails attached to them. So there's nothing really to hold on to, which... You want to make sure you have good balance. Before oh you yeah.
0: I mm-hmm. would definitely need some side of guard, guard set up for me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I keep saying that, but it really does. Now, uh, walking pads, desk treadmills, would you say worth it or not worth it? Mm,
1: I mean, if you have the money and you want it, I'd say worth it if you're very busy, but I'd rather you get outside and go for a walk rather than keep walking indoors if you can. You get that little vitamin D too, that extra benefit. Absolutely,
0: those mental, and the the mental health health that goes along with it.
1: Scenery, just wear sunscreen.
0: So whether you're using a a walking pad, treadmill,
2: uh, how does walking throughout the day benefit us? What are the benefits of doing that? So it is recommended that we have at least 30 minutes of walking every day. That it was 20. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, yeah, we... Okay, it okay, bit. okay. <laughs> um, that's what's going to give you your most cardiovascular health benefits um, and help with the, that heart health. So like Neil was talking about getting outside and moving around, it's great. But when you're, you know, in a busy office setting, you don't have a lot of free time. Taking what we call micro breaks throughout your day,
0: like fifteen minutes here, fifteen minutes there. Is it is it a cumulative thirty?
2: Cumulative thirty minutes. Oh, so So. breaking
0: it up a little—five minutes here, a little five minutes there, a ten here. Perfect. Perfect example.
2: Um, So I'll tell my patients, you know, set an alarm on your phone or a timer on your phone that every so often, when it goes off, get up, take a lap around the office. You know, even if it's just that short break, um, just to give a little movement. So the, the famous phrase in PT is "motion is lotion." So moving around is going to help with joint lubrication, keeping your, jo- your joints going, keeping your muscles um, flexible and pliable. So that way you decrease some of the stiffness that you get after being when, in one position. When you
0: stand up and you have to do the stretch because you've been sitting on calls for multiple hours. Mm-hmm. I used to have a little tracker that would buzz when I didn't move enough. And it would be like, hey, how about you get up and you take a walk? Mm-hmm. And that was helpful. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the same thing as setting an alarm on your phone to remind you, hey, Why don't you go take a walk?
1: Yeah, and a lot of the smart devices now give you like standing points. So every hour that you're standing, you get a little. I don't know. Mine doesn't do that, but
0: oh, I was going to say, does it mean gift cards or chocolate or any? I
2: I work for rewards. Mm, (laughs) This, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, some some of them even have um like the ten thousand steps buzzer that the you know it'll buzz off and it'll shoot like bright little flashes on your watch. Mine used to have that too. Sometimes that can be enough. Like good job, you met your goal. Okay, Mm -hmm. ten
0: thousand steps is a
2: lot. But it's, you're right. It's good. It's I, cumulative throughout cumulative. the day. <laughs> 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 I like how you tag that
0: on. It's cumulative. Now, why, after I'm doing my steps, why would my legs hurt after a walk or after a run?
1: Yes, I mean, it could be all sorts of things, right? So soreness after exercise is very normal, right? We work out, we use our muscles, things get sore. Um, so you think that kind of the normal things that happen after you, you exercise, if you're walking longer than normal, you're going to feel it. Think about that DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, 48 to 72 hours after exercise, very typical to feel a little bit of sore. It's when things last longer, you should start worrying about it, right? That five to seven days or more, you start noticing those signs of inflammation, right? throw my Latin out here, your or rubor, tumor, dolor, so pain, swelling, redness.
0: I was just gonna say ibuprofen. <laughs> <Yes>. um. <laughs>
1: yeah, and that's what most people do, right? Is they kind of manage it. And then now yeah, it's uh-huh. a month that it's been going on and then they're coming in. And uh. So usually seven to 10 days, if something's going on, I would go in, or if it's really affecting your function. So if you can't walk, can't sit, can't stand, talk to your doc and uh, I'm gonna plug LVHN again, right? That nice my LVHN app. Send a mm-hmm. message to your doc, got a question, boom, easy. That's why we're here. Yeah, and you're getting an answer from someone you trust.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I like I'm getting answers from you guys and I trust <laughs> you already. It's wonderful. So, we've done a walk, we've done a run. What are the most important things to do afterwards?
2: So, just like we're supposed to have a proper warm up prior to exercise, prior to our walk or our run, it's also vitally important to do a proper cool down. And like I briefly said before, you know, just five minutes of just leisurely walking followed by static stretching of the muscle groups in your legs. So a lot of people know how, you know, you stretch your hamstrings, you stretch your quads, your calves. you know, And you hold those stretches for anywhere 20 to 30 seconds and repeat them about three times for each one. Um, it's also important to rehydrate. So our body loses fluid through sweat with exercise and we need to replace that Um it will help in promoting recovery, help um, with, you know, promoting muscle um, recovery after a workout on water, those electrolyte replacement drinks. Those are great options. To you do. must have been
0: reading my mind. That was going to be my next question, <sighs> Ashley. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you where we are.
2: Um, or even doing a post-workout shake um, that mm-hmm. some of the big nutrition companies sell. Um, those are all shown to help replenish the stores um, that we've lost from our our sweating Um, as our our natural body's way of cooling itself. What
0: about chocolate milk?
1: Yeah. I heard
0: Mm -hmm. that that was the
2: thing.
1: Yeah, so like, I was just gonna try and say that, was that, uh, you know. It beats you to it Yeah, (laughs) So something like half hour after exercise, your body's most receptive to the proteins and things you're putting back into it to help recover. And yeah, chocolate milk is a great one. I ask people all the time. I just went to a course, asking, trees like, yeah, if you don't have any lactose issues, chug that milk, so.
0: That's great. What about a chocolate milkshake? Does that count too?
1: <laughs> you might you're, be out. You're going to tell me no. You're going to tell me no. At that point, all those but, calories you, know.
0: you just burned, you might be adding yeah, back in. Yeah. Well, I could just make it up the next day, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> now, how do I know the difference between just uh, typical soreness and, like you said, uh, a possible injury? Is, is it if it lasts longer than seven to ten days?
1: Yeah. And that's kind of what I tell people right in the clinic, at least if I'm giving them a program, if it's lasting more than a certain amount of time. Um, I also, so if you go online, you can look up something called the Delaware Soreness Rules. And I give that out to a lot of my athletes when they're going back to activity. And it's kind of a a nice way of, if you feel this, this, then you should do this. And it's, you know, back off, go backward, keep progressing. Okay. Um, So, you know not something that's going to 100% cover you, but it's just a nice little tips and tricks that I give my patients.
2: That's a great idea. And this goes back to also that motion, as lotion. So a lot of times when people have that, that post-exercise soreness and they, they don't want to go and do anything because it hurts.
0: That's one of the best things to do
2: is it's to move The best thing to, to do is it. keep moving. Okay. You know, just gentle stretching, gentle motion um, will help with aiding some of that muscle recovery.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And personally, like I found, so I do a lot of running. And so after I'll do a long run, I'll hop on the bike and no resistance, just spin my legs for a while. And man, feel feels so much better. And you see the guys like on the Tour de France finish a race and they just rode for four hours and they're riding the trainer for another 30, 40 minutes because it makes such a big difference in that tissue recovery. So you're not just stopping and letting everything just freeze on you.
2: Yeah. Your muscles are kind of pumping that lactic acid out and that's what gives you that And soreness. that's what gives the soreness.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I remember reading about that somewhere. Mm-hmm.
2: There's also foam rollers now, massage sticks, massage balls okay. that you can use. You said use. A massage? hmm Self-massage. Oh, <laughs> Ashley. You could go to a massage therapist. Okay. You know, if you really wanted to. Yeah. Um, but these things you can purchase online or at any sports store and, and kind of use those to help knead out any sort of muscle knots that you get.
0: Okay. So if it's not soreness, typical soreness that you might experience after a walk or a run what are common injuries that you see and what are some of the things that people can do at home possibly to treat those or just come see you at LVHN in the physical therapy?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: hmm Uh-huh. So a lot of the more common injuries that we see um, have the general terminology of, you know, like runner's knee. Okay. Which is called patellofemoral pain syndrome. Um, there's also stress fractures, IT band issues, um, and shin splints, which is medial tibial stress syndrome. Um, these are overuse injuries. These are overload injuries, Um, so it's important. Yes, could you treat them at home? Probably, but not as effectively as if you would come in and and get an evaluation with a therapist. Depending on the severity, some of these injuries might actually require us to kind of shut down for a little bit where you put a a stop um, on your training and and really focus in on the healing. Sometimes they can be managed with just activity modification um, in combination with specific exercises that your therapist would prescribe to you. Okay. Um, and then, you know, newer technology that we we have now um, actually allows us to video you when you run. It's called video gain analysis. It's actually very intriguing, um, and it allows us to kind of freeze you in a moment in time, and really analyze, you know, joint measurement angles. How are you landing? What are you? Lo- what do you look like? You know, so that way we can adequately address those deficits, so that way you don't get injured again.
1: That's We're living in the future.
2: Fascinating. It it
0: just makes me think of Running Man and Arnold Schwarzenegger and yeah, Terminator kind of stuff, but (laughs) I digress.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I would add on to that, right, that most running injuries, right, are usually due to error, right? Mm -hmm. So it's something like too much, too fast, too soon, too long. And so at least on the running side of things, I can't speak for the walking that if you're just training too much and you got to think stress is stress is stress. So life stress can play a big part in how your body feels. So if you're already run down and burnt out and you're trying to do all this mileage, right, you're kind of setting yourself up for something to fail.
0: It just sounds painful. Yeah. Being stressed (laughs) and then pushing yourself too much. You're just stressing your body.
1: Well, and sometimes, right, you look at it as stress relief. I'm going to go for my run, but you're already worn down, right? And now you're adding something. Adding
0: onto it so you increase the chances of an injury.
1: Yeah. So I'm not saying don't use it as stress reliever, but just kind of be cognizant that other things can have an effect effect on your running that aren't just running.
0: Ashley, what's the word? Find that balance. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> now, should we be striving for 10,000 steps a day? I know we touched on this earlier. Uh, is that something that you want to start right out of the gate or would you be building up to the 10,000? Is that the ideal mileage that my feet should be traveling a day?
1: Yeah. And so I think, you know, the, the, really the idea is everyone's different. So okay. you know, some people a couple thousand steps a day is great, right? That's what you're getting. And some people, my mother-in-law gets 18,000 steps a day uh, every day, and like if she does she it do? Lots of walking, obviously. Lots and lots okay. of walking. Good for her. Um, but it, yeah, it's really building up to it, right? And so, and if you have stuff going on, like if you have issues with your feet, if you have issues with your legs, your back, doing a lot of walking may not be so good at a certain point, right? So, walking 3,000 steps might feel great. Walking 7,000 steps might feel terrible. Okay. Um, and vice versa, if you're someone like like me, who has lots of fancy energy. Uh, <laughs> oh, I can see you bouncing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes you need to do those things to get the, that that energy out. So I would say there's no magic number, but you know that 30 minutes a day or more is what we're looking for. And you know whatever you can get in there it makes you feel good.
0: We've covered walking. We've covered running. Personally speaking, what do you prefer, running or walking? What do you suggest, running or walking?
2: I actually prefer both. Um, and like Neil had mentioned it. It varies person to person. So growing up and in my youth, I was very active with running. I ran through high school in my collegiate career. Um, nowadays, I'm I'm not as competitive as a runner um, as I'd like to be. But hopefully. you have children and, and you run around children. after them. That's true. That's where I get my workout. Okay. <laughs> Having twins and, and pushing them in a stroller while we go for our walks. That at night, is a walk. It is a workout. Yes. Um, But I tend to like both. I Lately I've been favoring walking and then just like short duration sprints after children that are beelining <laughs> it in different
0: directions. They have something in their mouths <laughs> and <laughs> you know it. You better run after them. I understand that. Neil.
1: Um so yeah, I'm kind of a both also. I okay. would say traditionally I prefer running way more, cover Why? more. I cover more distance, see more things, just go faster. You still love the PRs dealing What's with a inj- PR? personal record.
0: Oh, yeah. oh I got to beat my personal record. Uh-huh. I do that on 22. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, I've dealt with injuries more recently. And so I do a lot of walk running and I've actually found that I'm as fast, if not faster walk running. So i have really learning myself that there's a place for walking that's beneficial. And I love walking my dog on a nice day or going outside walking with my wife. So
0: oh, um, yeah. that's nice. Now, what is walk running? Is that like power walking?
1: Uh, you walk, then you run. You walk, and then you run. You walk,
0: oh, and then you, you run. Oh, can, you I can't know, make up your a, mind. Yeah. Oh, a little bit of running, a little bit of walking. A little so, bit of running, a little bit of walking.
1: Yeah, so right now, I'm, I walk four minutes, and I run six minutes, and I do that for about an hour, and that's my workout.
0: Does your wife do that with
1: you? No. <laughs> <laughs> she lets me do the running.
0: She's a smart woman. <laughs> Ashley is. and Neil, this has been so educational. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you had a, a good time as well.
1: I yeah, impressed. this is I, great. Did. I yeah, enjoyed this. was a
0: this lot was of fun. fun. Yay! Maybe next time they can let us have drinks while we do this.
1: Ooh, I right. don't mm-hmm.
0: necessarily yeah. think that we should do that.
1: <laughs> or we can go for a walk. Oh, or, we can go for a run. walk
0: or a walk to drinks.
1: Ooh, there we go. See,
0: combining the best of both you know, worlds. There Pub there crawls
1: go. are a big thing with running. Look so.
0: at that. Yeah. See, we're problem solvers. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, Neil, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, for sharing so many really great, insightful things. And I hope it was enjoyable. I had fun. It
1: was a lot of fun. Yay.
0: Everyone. Maybe we should do it again sometime. Definitely. That'd be nice. yeah. I think that's great. Again, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. And please check out community marathons and runs in your area by visiting lvhn.org slash running. You can also learn about rehabilitation services offered on lvhn.org slash rehab. Remember to subscribe or follow The Healthiest You wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, be safe, be smart, and be the healthiest you.